uh, we're excited to uh, have you back. If you were here for our Harvest Festival last week, welcome back. And uh, we are excited to have you here. And no carnival today, but uh, just us, but it's still good. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be continuing with our series called What's Your Story? And uh, we're excited to hear from uh, Sean Howe in a little while. And uh, that's going to be really cool. Um, she's got a lot of fans here with her today as well. But uh, today, last week we were talking about Got Faith, and this week our title is Got Fish. Uh, so we're continuing that theme, and we're talking about the, a greater purpose for your life. What is your life all about? What are you going to be remembered for, and what plan does God have for you? These are questions that we don't think about all the time. But sometimes when we're by ourselves, we have a moment to think, what am I doing? Where am I going? What is my, will anyone even know that I lived? And that's what we're here to talk about today. And Jesus giving Peter a higher calling than he could ever imagine for his life. So I'm excited that God does have a plan for each one of us to do something great with our lives. Turn over to Luke chapter five, and we're going to be reading about Jesus' uh, second encounter that's recorded with Peter, after he's coming out of his temptation in the wilderness and he gets rejected in his hometown, now he's going to Capernaum, which is nearby, which kind of becomes his hometown. Before we get to that, we have a few fishermen among us. And uh, we have uh, Bill Vollmer in the middle and we have Ronnie here on the right hand side. They're holding up some, uh, I don't know who the guy on the left is. Who is that? Larry. Okay, that's Larry. If you don't know Larry, that's him. You might run into him this week. Say, Larry, I saw you on uh, a church. And he'll be like, what? Uh, but this is their trip down to Mexico that they do every year to uh, catch fish. There's a yellowtail that they have. Uh, I don't know if you got some wahoo as well this year. No wahoo, but grouper. Okay, so uh, it's cool. They, they caravan down there. It's like a whirlwind trip. They drive all the way down there. Dave's husband drives like a madman, I heard. You definitely wear your seatbelt in that car from what they were telling me. Bill's the professional driver, but somehow they make Dave drive. I don't know why that happens, but uh, they make it down and back every year. So he must be doing a pretty good job. Uh, and just the, they're passionate about it. Uh, and it's, it's fun when you meet somebody who's passionate about what they're into, their hobbies, right? And uh, Jesus is going to run into some fishermen, people that are passionate about their work, and he's going to give them something greater to be passionate about. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He sat at the water's edge. To, there was two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That'd be a pretty cool trip, right, Dave? For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything and followed him. This was a life changing time for Peter after he experienced this incredible catch of fish that he would never forget. And it's amazing how Jesus doesn't just give us words, but he gives us things in our lives that we can connect to. And my point number one is recognize Jesus. That even though Peter was already walking with Jesus, he had already been around Jesus, but he wasn't fully aware of all that Jesus was. You know, maybe you have gone to church all of your life, but you've never really connected to Jesus. You've never really seen him and been amazed and recognized him for who he really is. You know, it would be like if we had Kobe Bryant come in here, come to church, go through the whole service, and then leave, and no one recognized that he was here. I mean, you feel like, man, you missed out on an amazing, at least autograph, but opportunity, right? If he came in, we would all recognize who he was, but Jesus, wherever he went, people didn't see him for who he really was. That's why most people didn't even follow him. Because if they would have really seen him, they would have, they, would have reckon, they would have acknowledged him for who he really was. And it's kind of uh, amazing. Even this story was, I chose this story today because of Sean's story. Because she's going to share her life in being around church or not around church, but being influenced at different times. And then finally coming to see who Jesus really was. You know, and, and, and sometimes we, we feel like we have all the stories down. So that means that we know Jesus. You know, just because you know Kobe's stats and you know his birthday and you know his favorite color and all these different things, you know about him, it doesn't mean that you know him. And it that really doesn't mean that he knows you. And so it's kind of like that with Jesus. I mean, we know all the stories and, and we know about Jesus, but it doesn't really count until he recognizes who you are. You know, and here's him uh, with Peter. He gets into Peter's boat on purpose because he wants to, he has a message for Peter. He wants Peter to remember who he is. And that's the great thing about Jesus is he get, he, he's initiating with you even now. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to connect with you. He doesn't want you to just leave here and not know who he is. We know from this story that Jesus, that Peter sees Jesus as a truth teller. Because he, at the end of his sermon, he is convicted by all of his sin. Because Jesus doesn't just tell him what he wants to hear, but he tells him the truth. He, call, he tells him the things that he's doing well, but he tells him the things that he needs to change. He gave him a new nickname that signifies the power that he's going to have. But he wasn't quite there. And from this story, he also recognizes that Jesus 
and his authority wants to bless his life. Imagine that. You're a fisherman. You've worked hard all night. And then a carpenter tells you how to fish. He tells you, well, you, you know, you, you messed up last night, but if you go out right now, you're going to catch something. You could be tempted to feel like, hey, who are you to tell me what to do? I mean, I'm the fisherman, you're the carpenter. And sometimes we can kind of feel the same way, like, who is this person? They're trying to tell me what to do when really he's trying to give him the blessings of God. And so Peter recognizes who he is and he says, because you say so, I'm going to do it. He still doesn't understand him fully, but he understands him enough to know that he has more things figured out than Peter does. You know, and so you would do well to imitate that and take Jesus at his word. Because he said that by his word, he created the world. By his word, he holds everything together. And by his word, you breathe the breath that you breathe. That without him, you wouldn't exist, and this world wouldn't exist, and I wouldn't exist. And so Peter goes out and throws the nets, and we're reading the amazing story. Think about all the possible excuses that Peter could have come up with. You know, Jesus, I'm, I'm really tired right now. I mean, do you understand how tired I am? I mean, I was up all night, and this was Fruitless. I caught nothing. You know, this is not the right time of day, Jesus, to catch fish. I mean, you catch fish at night or in the morning. It's kind of midday right now. This is not a good time. You know, and also, I just finished cleaning my nets. So they're all put away. You know, it's kind of, we're we're done for the day. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Because we know the end. And yet so many times when God tells us something that he wants us to do, we have a reason or what he would call an excuse of why we can't do it. Well, I can't really read my Bible today because I'm I'm so tired. I mean, you don't know how tired I am in the morning when I get up for work. I am just exhausted. It's the most I could do just to get my cup of coffee and get to work on time. You know, it's not really the best time to read the Bible Uh, Right now, you know, maybe I'll do that at night, you know, because at night I I don't have as many distractions and I'm just getting ready for bed. And, you know, uh, I'm going to read my Bible then. You know, or, you know, who are you to tell me that I should read my Bible? I mean, are you are you judging me? I mean, you're you're one of those church people. You're trying to tell me what to do. I mean, I want to do what Chevy said out of love. So please don't tell me to read my Bible if I'm not ready. You know, it sounds crazy, and yet that's what we do. We make up excuses of not doing the things that we know God is calling us to do. And, and we have all the good reasons, and if we've been around church for a while, then we really have good reasons. Right? We make it sound extra spiritual in all the ways, and yet Jesus just wants us to obey And trust that he's got it figured out better than we do. That his way is better. And I found this picture of these guys. I don't even know where, but look at all those fish. 
I mean, imagine what it would have been like to be Peter that one day after the sermon and Jesus says, okay, go out into deep water and the boat's right by the bank. And so he would have to pull up the anchor and everything, get the nets back on board, go out with Jesus on the boat to throw the nets. I mean, it would be something special to know that the only difference between me throwing the nets now and all last night is that Jesus is with me this time. That that is that made all the difference. Maybe you feel like, hey, I tried this before and it didn't work. When you try it again with Jesus with you, it will work. He will fill your boats up. He will blow you away with the blessings that he wants you to have. You know, and I'm excited for you to put that to the test. Today, he's challenging all of us. Throw out your nets again. Throw it into deep water. Take a chance. Put yourself out there for me, and I will bless your life. I will blow you away that you'll live the life that you thought you could never live. The life that you gave up on a long time ago. You'll live the dream that God wants you to live. And I'm excited to have Sean come up here and share uh, a little bit of her story. And uh, so let's give it up for Sean House. Good afternoon. As you know, my name is Sean Howe, and I've been a member here since uh, April of 2017. And uh, thank you for listening to my story. Um, it took me a long time. I wrote this like four or five times this week and cried and went to some pretty dark places. But I finally figured it out. Um, my relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship I have. So I figured I'd share on how I got to know him. Uh, my mom was severely wounded growing up in a household with a father who claimed to be a godly man. So when she became a mother, she did what any great mother would do, the exact opposite. We never spoke about God, church, or religion. She decided if that was God, she wanted nothing to do with it. So I was a, the oldest of three. I was born and raised on a lake in Washington State. I spent my first eight years as an only child, motorcycle riding, water skiing, boating, camping. Um, my dad bought me my first dirt bike when I was five when the neighbor boys wouldn't let me ride theirs. These are all my favorite things still to do. Uh, my parents divorced before I was nine, and my mom remarried, and we moved across the state, leaving the, the lake and my father behind. Um, my teenage years, I was longing for acceptance and rebelling and wanting freedom and independence from my parents. I was so much smarter than they were at that time. They just didn't know it. I was on a path of self-discovery, and I ended up, um, the path led me to drugs, alcohol, crime, and promiscuity. By 15, I was a complete wreck. Um, I never knew anything about God. I would just cry myself to sleep every night and uh, then get up and make the same horrible choices over and over again. I was not sure how to get out of my, my, get away from my own self. I'm sure my mom was sick most of those years. Miraculously, I ended up graduating and moving to San Diego where I was going to reconnect with my biological father. When I met him, he encouraged me to do something I loved. So, of course, I still love motorcycles, so I um, got a job at a motorcycle dealership. He gave me my first street bike, and ironically enough, he moved back to Washington. <laughs> um, 
I grew up at that motorcycle dealership for the next 16 years, working my way up um, to sales manager, buying my first home by 21. Um, I was finally free to do what I pleased. I partied harder, rode faster, jumped out of planes, bungee jumped, any thrill-seeking thing, ran from the law. Um, I can just remember never wanting the nights to end, and never wanting to be alone. Um, I knew there was something bigger I was supposed to be a part of. I just couldn't find it what it was. When I was 25, my mom became extremely depressed and was not able to take care of herself for a while. So I moved her down from Washington to help take care of her. During this time, my mom had found God. And I thought, this is part of the illness, right? Um, But I saw it making a change in her life. But I thought, well, maybe he's this God idea is good for those who are, are sick or weak. But I'm neither. I've got this, you know. I don't need a, a crutch. So, um, but that was the first time I'd really been introduced to God being something real. Um, in 96, I gave birth to Jessica. This is where I gave you a shout-out on the screen, but you surprised me. Um, and by 2004, I realized that I needed a new career and a fresh start. Uh, my life was basically controlled chaos, so I got my real estate license, and I moved to the desert to start a new business, and a new and improved me. Well, the new and improved me didn't last long. As usual, I was struggling with my same addictions I had picked up as a 14-year-old girl, smoking, drinking, fast bikes, and fast men, which then I met my soon-to-be husband. He was handsome, charming, and seemed to be my male counterpart, crazy as I was. Not long after our whirlwind relationship started, I saw some red flags, but I figured, I can change him. I mean, I wasn't getting any younger, and I had a little girl who needed a daddy. Every day he seemed to be getting worse. I saw some um, disturbing illnesses arising. One day when I came home, he had come after myself, my mom, and my daughter. I stood my ground. No one was hurt. He went to jail. They let him serve his time at a place called U-Turn for Christ, which was basically Christ's boot camp. And when he came out, he was a different person. And we didn't watch TV. Uh, We read the Bible every day. It was weird. I didn't understand it. But I could see that he was changing to be a better man, and I I went along with it because I wanted my happy ending, and I thought this was my chance. Uh, We went to a Greg Laurie Harvest Fest in August of 2008, and I felt the power of the Holy Spirit, Um, 30,000 people worshiping this God, and it moved me deeply. I said the prayer of Jesus, accepting Jesus into my life that night, and I went to Anza the next day to get baptized. Um, I met Jesus on the mountain that day in a very special and a real way for the very first time I felt the Holy Spirit. I freaked out with joy. I couldn't believe this is what all the reborn-again Christians were freaking out about. I was like, whoa, i got to start Bible college, and I was on fire for the Lord, and I got married, and I truly thought that that I was going to have my life in the order that God wanted it, and that was God, husband, me, children. And um, the first years of marriage were all about, you know, motorcycling, jeeping, camping, everything, um, and church hopping. We could never stay at one church for long, but mainly it was me on my hands and knees praying every night that the darkness that was still in my husband would disappear. Um, yeah, sorry, I lost my spot there for a second. You didn't see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so. As it turns out, my husband was diagnosed with narcissistic borderline personality disorder and antisocial behavior. So 
sounds, it was bad. Uh, uh, he was not following God. The relationship had come to a head, and I was in fear for my life and my daughter's well-being. So we got out and started over in 2012. Uh, God helped me uh, get a home and temporarily a job um, to recompose myself. I thought I'd lost everything during that relationship, but as it turns out, God blessed that relationship too because I got another daughter, grandkids, another family, sister. Um, so I'm super blessed for that. Uh, Jessica graduated high school and headed to college in San Diego where she too wanted to meet her biological father. Uh, she reconnected with some friends of ours from the motorcycle dealership who um, her, their son was the same age as Jessica and they were raised together. He invited her to uh, San Diego Church of Christ. And she said, that, you know, Jessica was uncertain about the church at first, and so was I. As time went on, I could see how much the people truly cared about her. And she was struggling out there in San Diego on her own for the first time and dealing with the rejection from her father. I'd been praying for her to find a church, and even though this church seemed a little unorthodox compared to the ones we'd been to, I was super happy for her. It was not long. She ended up getting baptized and moving back to the desert where she started going here, Desert Cities Church of Christ. It wasn't long before she came home, starting questioning my walk with God. That didn't go over real well. I loved the church for Jessica, as I would argue with her, but it, wasn't, it had an amazing uh, campus ministry, but it wasn't for me. Um, I came around the church, honestly, just to keep an eye on her. I, I was approached to study the Bible one day, and, and I, um, I went to study the Bible, and I came to the conclusion that my salvation was going to be attacked, so I wanted nothing with that. I ran. I continued to come around the church for a while, for another year, when I was invited to the women's retreat. And at the retreat, I received a couple words from God, submit and surrender. I thought he was talking about drinking and smoking, because I knew that was holding me back from what God wanted in my life. I was ready, and I turned it over to him, and he took it from me just like that. Easy peasy. So I went to Don, to Zai, and I said, okay, now I'm ready to study the Bible. As long as you agree, you're not going to talk about my salvation. And Dawn gave me that calming smile that only she can do. And the next thing you know, I was flying through the studies. At the end of our studies, Dawn asked me if she could repeat something that I had shared with her at the beginning. I said, certainly. She reminded me that when I had first started following the Lord in 2009 and I was reading the Bible, I had approached my fiancé at that time and said, I read in the Bible we shouldn't live together or sleep together until we're married. My fiancé said there was no way that was going to happen. She said, you made him your God. I burst out into tears as I realized that she was right. I was baptized within a couple of days, and I had no idea that God was talking about submitting and surrendering my whole life to his will, not just the parts that were convenient. I love how God showed me his love and his patience. He knew my journey would, what my journey would be and exactly what I needed when. He chased me down, slowly stripping away the things that I had put before him. I now understand that God didn't want to break my spirit. He wants me to be in direct obedience to his will. I'm starting to see many fruits already, and I'm standing on his promise that God has a plan far greater than anything that I could ever imagine. And I just want to leave you with a scripture. Um, John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Unlike a thief, the Lord Jesus does not come for selfish reasons. He comes to give, not get. 
He comes that people may have life in him that is meaningful, purposeful, joyful, and eternal. We receive this abundant life the moment we accept him as our Savior. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. That was awesome. What a powerful story of, of your life changing and, and the ways that God reached out to you through the people in your life and all the people that you cared about were the ones that really reached out to you. So it's amazing to see how God uses people around us to help us to see him. My point number two, getting back to the story of Peter, is called... Is, He had to recognize Jesus, and then he recognized his need for God. You know, and you could see Sean wrestling with that through her story that she wanted. It was good for other people. It was good for other people. It was good for other people. Surrender from these things, but not not these other things. To submit and surrender her life. And that's such an amazing example that you've given us. But everybody in the Bible who's truly come in contact with God or Jesus was blown away with one thought. How unworthy they were. When God appeared to Moses, his first words were, Who am I to do something great for you? When he talked to Gideon, he said, How can I save Israel? I'm the least in my family. I'm nothing. Isaiah said, woe to me, I am unclean. Jeremiah said he couldn't even speak because of the perfection that was in God. When we're willing to look at Jesus, when we really see Jesus, there's no way that we can say that we are like him in every way. There's no way that we can say that we're good people compared to Jesus. That we love when we compare our love to Jesus. That we serve when we compare our service to Jesus. That we love God when we compare our love to Jesus giving himself on the cross. You know, so many times churches today is about being good people and being better than people who are not at church. And we can be... We can walk around and feel like, hey, we got it all together and we learned this or we learned that at church on Sunday. You know, Peter wasn't probably a very good Jew. He didn't have it all figured out. He probably would have been hanging out with Sean and the crew back in the day. (laughs) Working at the motorcycle shop. But that's the person that Jesus wanted. He didn't want someone that was going to say, no thanks Jesus, I'm all good. I did that when I was a kid. I got it all together. It says, Peter fell at Jesus' feet and said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I can't do this. You got, you got the wrong guy. I know you said I was going to do this and I was going to do that, but man, I'm not, I can't do that. I, 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 I sin all the time. And I love Jesus, the way he came up to Jesus and calmed his fears. 
But sometimes the hardest thing is to recognize our need for God. You know, it was pretty funny. Even this, this week, we were going to a, a marriage retreat meeting. And uh, Danielle and I are in charge of the marriage retreat this year for the region. And so we're driving to the meeting with Chevy and Vivian. And, you know, right before we're getting in the car with them, we're getting in an argument about, uh, about me not being considerate and coming across short and not communicating with my wife. So here we are. And in my mind, I'm like, OK, let's hurry up and get this argument finished so that when we see our friends, we're all good. <laughs> Ever had that thought? You know, we're in the church parking lot. You know, Lord, just take this away right now so we can go in and be happy at church. And needless to say, we tried and we prayed and we got in the car and it still was there. So we start talking and, and Chevy's like, so you guys, how you guys doing? You OK? And I'm like, uh, not really. <laughs> and so we start talking about it. And, and I know that when I get stressed and I get busy, I get short with the people that I care about the most. And the reason I do that is because I'm not close to God like I need to be. And I look back on the ending part of my week and I'm busy and I'm going from this way and that way. And you ever feel like you're just on empty? Well, that was Saturday morning. Late night, the game went till whatever time in the morning, getting up for the meeting and just feel like, man, I'm not where I need to be. And, and, when you're not where you need to be, you fight with people. Stuff goes wrong all around you, and it's really not that. It's you. As I learned Saturday, it wasn't her. It was me. She was just wanting to know what we're doing at the meeting. You know, kind of a normal question. You ever feel like God is stretching you beyond where you're comfortable? And then when you get to that place, then he pushes you a little bit further. And then when you feel like, God, that's enough. And then he pushes you a little bit further. You know, he's doing that so that you'll recognize your need. That he loves you. He loves me and he loves you so much that he's going to push you to the brink until you finally surrender. He's going to help you to see how you cannot do it alone. In John 15, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So as long as you try to do stuff without him, he's going to try to humble you to help you to recognize your need. And that's where I was Saturday morning. And I said, man, I, this morning going out, just going on a long time with God, just like, God, help me. <laughs> Fill me up. I need to be different. I need to be close to you. And sometimes we can get freaked out when we sin. And when stuff starts coming out of us and we're like, oh, my gosh, I'm out of control. And sometimes that's exactly where God wants you to be so that you'll pray to him. So that you'll realize that you need something greater in your life. That was this was that that this was that time for Peter working all night. Nothing happened, goes out and this amazing thing happens and he's just blown away. And I love Jesus. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. That Jesus knew that he was scared to death 
that his true self would be become known to Jesus. Truth is, Jesus already knew it. He already knew every sin that he had. There was nothing that he was going to say that was a mystery to Jesus. He loved him despite his sin. He loved him before he even tried to change. He loved him before he even wanted to follow. And now that he's giving his life to him, how much more will he carry him through? And he gives him a new purpose and a new life. And yeah, there's some fears along with that. Peter's life was going to be on the line at different times. He was calling Peter to sacrifice for other people, to give your life to help others. And that's where I want you to be. You know, sometimes it it takes other people to help us see what need truly is. You know, I found this picture of uh, these children in Yemen, one of the poorest countries in the world. 8.5 million of their people are in urgent need of food right now. 75% of their population is in some kind of need. That's the country that these people are from. You know, if you're visiting with us, we support as a mission field the Middle East region of the world. Some of the people that are hurting the most and the most desperate need of Christ. And yet... Over in Yemen, it's pretty easy to see that you're, you're needy. When you need food, you, you're not too proud to accept help. You know, a few years ago, we had two guys who, reached, who met some of our Christians on the Internet. He met, they met Sammy over, some of you have heard this story, they met Sammy over in, uh, in, in Jordan. And so they started talking on, online for about a year, and it's, it's dangerous to talk about Christianity. So if they were bad guys, he, Sammy could have been killed. So they talked for about a year. They decided to meet in uh, Lebanon to meet up, because Sammy couldn't baptize him in Jordan. He had to fly to Lebanon to meet him. So they, they spent the weekend together. They studied the Bible. These three guys got baptized. They went back to Yemen not knowing anything, they just hung out for the weekend. Then they went back. And then it's, now it's been two years, and there's 35 disciples in Yemen from these three guys. And we found out when they were here recently that they're all men. So there's 35 of them, and they're all guys. And they just started studying with the first woman. You know, because of the lack of freedom over there, it's, it's harder for them to be able to step out like that. You know, so please be praying for them, but to imagine the kind of need and the kind of challenge that they're going through just to have a Bible, just to meet with a Christian. I'm sure that they can't even talk about it out loud. I don't know how they actually communicate, but they have to go to a secret place to, to do that. But they see their need and they see Jesus in a way that many of us don't see Jesus because of where we live. You know, Peter saw his need. He pulled his boats up on shore. He left everything and followed Jesus. He left his father in the boat. He left his old life. He left his opinions. He left even the fish that he just caught on the bank. 
I don't know if he left the fish, but I like to think he left the fish. <laughs> the miraculous catch, and they're up there. He's like, ah, who needs the fish? Let all these people eat the fish. I'm going with Jesus. Because it's not about the blessing, it's about Jesus. It's not about the gift, it's about the giver. So that's the same call for all of us. To leave your old way of life and take up the way of life that Jesus wants you to have. To be able to make a true difference, you've got to live your old life behind and take up your new life. But it's pretty cool. Later on, as Peter lived his life, if you read ahead in Luke chapter 18, I'm not going to read it today. But he asked the question, he, he was challenged years later. And he said, Lord, we left everything to follow you. And he was wondering, is it too hard? Can I do this? Can I really finish? And Jesus promised, he said, truly, I tell you, anyone who has left home or wife or brothers or sister or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will not fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. That God's promise still stands, even if you've made this decision a long time ago, but he still wants you to give him everything in your life. And he'll give it back to you, overflowing, and those boats will be full once again. But Peter had the same question that many of you have. Is it really this hard? Do I really have to go through this? I mean, I thought my boats were going to be full all the time. And Jesus said, don't worry, it's a challenge. But I died for you. I gave up everything to make it to heaven, and you can do it. I have it prepared for you. And in John chapter 21, at the end of Peter's life, he comes to that again. That's Luke 18 that I just shared with you. In John chapter 21, after Jesus rose from the dead, guess what he does? Peter went back to his boats again. He's out fishing all night. Guess what he caught? Nothing. Throw your nets on the other side of the boat, Jesus says, and he has the same miraculous catch that he had in the very beginning. Imagine what that must have been like to start out so strong to have your hero die and go back to your boats again. And to have Jesus come up to you one more time. And he says, when they finished eating, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? You left these boats three years ago. You question your faith in the middle. Will you leave them again? And, Jesus, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep, my sheep that are here in the church and my sheep that are out of the church. That's how you show, he showed his love for Christ. And ultimately, he gave up his very self. You know, my call for us as we take communion is to recognize Jesus. Not just who we think Jesus is, but who he really is. The kind of power and love and grace that he has for you. To recognize your need and for me to recognize my need for Jesus. 
whether I'm here for the first time or whether I've been coming for a long time, that I'll have the faith to follow him to the very end. And the final challenge to Peter to feed my lambs, to take care of God's people, to live your life as a good shepherd, as Jesus was the good shepherd for us. So let's pray as we take communion uh, together. Father, we thank you so much for this time to be together. We thank you that you've given us the most incredible purpose of all, to love you, to be in a relationship with you, to walk with you, to have you guide us all the days of our life and ultimately to take us to be with you. God, I pray that as we take communion, that we can recommit our love to you, that we can leave our boats behind, that we can leave everything behind and trust you with our lives. Thank you so much that you bless us and that you fill us up again and again. And God, I pray that if we're getting tired, if we're thinking about giving up, God, that we will renew our strength and we'll be renewed by your love for us. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he lived and died and rose again. We pray in his name. Amen.